0: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our discussion show in which sometimes we're joined by guests and sometimes we're not like today and we're just having a, a general chat, a discussion, a talk around a topic that is going on uh, in the world of Arsenal. Apologies that there was no 8am show this morning. I was on the early shifts uh, today, of which I've just, in fact, finished. Uh, And uh, yeah, there's been some interesting stories that have broken throughout the day. Uh, Edu breaking his silence, of course. Lead judges with an exclusive. Uh, Who would have thought? Who would have said the day? Where Lee Judges is bringing Arsenal exclusive interviews of their do brilliant stuff Lee, um, but yeah, no, some really interesting news as always. Uh, but I wanted to kind of talk about an angle today's discussion towards uh, a topic which keeps on coming up. You know, obviously we get into quite a lot of discussion debates um, and you know back and forths around Arsenal and. And specifically Arsenal's transfer policy, Mikel Arteta, you know, all of these things come up quite a lot uh, and quite heavily. And I get really frustrated at times when there are very clear misconceptions about certain arguments or when I'm in a debate with someone and they put forward a point of view and I'm like, where on earth has that come from? Like, it doesn't sound right at all. Could you give me an example? And often that leads to either no response or... It turns out that there was no example. And one of the biggest things and misconceptions about Mikel Arteta's tenure has been based around this idea that Mikel Arteta will only sign players that want to join Arsenal. And the reason why this misconception exists is because of an interview between Ian Wright and Mikel Arteta during lockdown in 2020, all the way back then. So we're talking now more than two years ago at this point. Uh, The interview was done through Adidas. I've left a link to the whole interview in today's video description. In fact, the link, if you click it, will take you straight to the point in the video that we're talking about for today's video. And in that interview... Arteta and Ian Wright uh, talked about the idea of a player joining Arsenal and what needs to be done to convince them, and what happens if you know a player is is not too keen, or if Arteta has to convince a player to join, and how he feels about that. And there is there's been such a clear misconception about this. That I wanted to address in today's show one for the benefit of you guys hopefully if any of you any of you believed in that misconception that it's now cleared up and secondly you know whenever you're getting into a debate or even if I'm getting into a debate about this and someone brings up the argument that Mikel Arteta uh, will only sign players that want to join Arsenal uh, you can link back to this video as an example showing that that is not the case. Uh, but good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you happen to be joining us from in the world today. Thank you so much to everyone that's joining us live. If you're watching this on catch up as well, all of you, please do leave a like on the video. It really does help the channel out. We hit 35,000 subscribers yesterday, which is an amazing achievement. I was, I did say I was going to talk more about that in this morning show, but then there wasn't a morning show uh, because, of course, I forgot that I was on the the early shift today. So uh, apologies for that. But yeah, thank you for the massive support. On the channel, as always, uh, Amira says the title of this video sounds like a conspiracy theory video. This this will appeal to Lev of the Arsenal lounge. He does love a conspiracy theory, that man. So maybe he'll be into this video, indeed. So uh, let's let's talk about this video. So the video obviously is uh, taken. In fact, it's probably easier if I get up because you are have to stare at my face the entire time i throw up the thumbnail for today's video on the screen but uh this this whole interview was conducted as i say over on the adidas uh youtube page when ian wright was doing some work for adidas over the lockdown period um and in this interview and the image that you're seeing on the screen is the actual you know it's a a clip from the interview and i said if you want to go and watch it you click the link in the description it'll take you there um and Basically, I'll read you the quotes of what was said during the interview. So Arteta was basically asked about, uh, he has insisted that it should not take much in terms of convincing players to join or stay with Arsenal. Arteta said, the moment we mention Arsenal, Ian, you know what it means around the world. Everybody wants to come here and we have a really clear idea of what we are. Now, just before we go any further, we're obviously going to break through these, these quotes. I don't agree with Arteta in this case. You know, I don't agree with those words. He says, you know, everybody wants to come here. That's clearly not the case. You know, I think they had the real reality of that, of Dushan Vlaovic in January. Vlaovic did not want to come to Arsenal. They tried and tried their best to convince him he wasn't king. Didn't want to come to Arsenal, had his heart set on Juventus. And, you know, Rafinha is probably the modern example of this, heart set on Barcelona. Sure, there was some willingness from the player to be open to the idea of coming to Arsenal, but Barcelona were the player's preference. So I don't agree with Arteta. Now, one of the things that we should say is this interview was conducted, as I said, more than two years ago. So do keep that in mind as we're reading through these comments. Continuing onwards, uh, he says, it doesn't need much convincing. And if they do, for me, it's not a good starting point. If I have to convince a player to stay or join us, To Arsenal, he grimaces, it holds me back a little bit. It has to be, what do we have to do? I want to play for that club and represent exactly the values, the style of play that I want. That's the kind of emotion I want to hear at the start. And the same with the players that are here. Once you finish, what are the feelings you have towards the club? That's what really interests me. Now, the key point of this interview to focus on is obviously the, the part where he talks about Convincing a player, if he, he's ever in discussions. Now, when this interview took place, Arteta had been in the job um looking at this six months. Joined in December of 2019, the interview was conducted in May of 2020. And in this interview, the time is important because that summer window that we are, you know, we're about to go into. He hasn't signed any players at this point beyond Cedric on loan and Marie on loan. Now, in the summer of 2020, that's the summer that we signed Willian, we signed Cedric Amiri on permanent deals, and we signed Gabriel Magalhaes and Thomas Partey. Now, obviously, it's been a long time since then. You know, plenty of transfer windows have come and gone since the time this interview was done. And Arteta has changed as a coach. Arteta has made a lot of mistakes as a coach, personally on the field with players and off the field with players in interviews. Made plenty of errors. And I think that the words are taken literally and applied in certain debates nowadays that aren't relative. But the biggest misconception about this whole interview is the fact that some feel that this reveals that Arteta will not sign a player if they are not convinced about joining Arsenal. And this is simply not true for two reasons. The first of all, he doesn't say that. <laughs> and second of all, there have been players that we have had to convince to join Arsenal. You know, Gabriel Jesus, we convinced him to join Arsenal. He chose Arsenal over other teams. You know, we've gone to players in the past windows and convinced them that Arsenal is the right place for them as well. And I see that going forward in this window, that we are going to have to do that with some other players that we want during the window as well. We're not always going to succeed. You know, you're never going to be able to always convince every player that Arsenal was the right place, especially when you're not in the Champions League. Because if you're going up against a team like a Chelsea, like a Liverpool, like a City, like a Barcelona, a Real Madrid, a Juventus, a Bayern Munich, you're going to struggle because you're not in the Champions League at this point. And that's why if we get into the Champions League, it's going to be a big pulling and driving force for this club to still sign uh, a level up or more players of that level up. Because you still can sign very good players outside the Champions League, but maybe nowhere near as many that you would be able to if you were in it compared to not being in it so let's analyze the words that he says to make sure that we've got this right he says if i have to convince a player to stay or join us uh, it holds me back a little bit that's not him saying if i have to convince a player to stay or join us i won't sign them (laughs) That's him saying it holds him back. You know, it's a stumbling block. It's a bit of a red flag for him. He doesn't particularly like it. And that's fair enough. You know, if I was at Arsenal... And I was the technical director or the manager or whatever. And I knew I was having to convince players. And as an Arsenal fan of which, you know, Arteta playing for the club, he's got that connection. He's not like an exterior head coach coming in with no prior connections whatsoever. He understands the club's values. He understands the affection for the club. And he has his own personal affection for the club. So if you're having to convince anyone that Arsenal is the right place for you or to convince them to come to Arsenal over, you know, another team, it's, it's going to be difficult to get over that fact if a player's not sitting there. And I have to talk to fans a lot about this idea that the players aren't fans always. You know, there are some cases where they are and it's great when you have players like that. But players aren't fans. Nine times, 99 times out of 100, the players that come to Arsenal and we sign aren't fans of Arsenal. You know, they don't have that connection like we do with the club. And so you are going to have to convince players. And I think that's probably something that Arteta has learned over the time that he's been at the club, that he's had to learn how to convince players. There were some reports I saw this week coming out suggesting that Arteta's has taken a much more active push, you know, in the summer window this year in trying to convince players to try and join. Edu had been a big part of that previously, but now Arteta is taking an even more active role in trying to convince players. And that obviously did help um, with the Gabriel Jesus signing. But it's just important for me and I think for you guys listening to understand that this interview that was taken or done two years ago, you know, that interview that we took place two years ago, uh, and you can see this video um, in the link in the description for those asking in the chat box. And the reason why I didn't do a show today this morning, as, as others are asking, because I was working. So apologies again for that. But the point is, is that he has never, ever, ever said that he will not sign a player if they do aren't necessarily convinced by Arsenal straight away. You know, that's never, ever been said by Mikel Arteta. And it's a misconception that I see said so often in debates about the manager, in debates about the transfer window. It's just not true. As, you know, as the famous meme goes, it's just wrong. (laughs) It's just not true. Um, And I think it's really important to point this out and to, to go back and to check things. And when you're having debates, you know, about Arsenal, about the manager... You've got to use facts, man. You've got to use facts. Um, if you're going to try and be really stringent about a point of view, and and these are the types of things, is twisting reality just doesn't work? Doesn't work at all, especially when you actually use the real information as a as a board to kind of build from. Uh, it really doesn't. We're going to get some reaction from you guys in the chat box on this because I'm curious as to your feelings on this topic uh, Rancy pumpkin says of course you have to convince players to join um but i think this is nothing extraordinary extraordinary i don't know why i struggle with that word so much <laughs> this is nothing extraordinary every club has to uh natty is this all we're going to talk about today we're going to have some more questions for you guys in the chat box as well this is obviously the let's talk arsenal show if you've got questions we'll be taking them very shortly indeed uh, Franklin Goodwin says, Dennis Bergkamp was a Spurs fan. And he joined us. I mean, we've had players that were Spurs. Sol Campbell is the big and the famous one, obviously. But you're going to sign players. Look how many Arsenal fans Spurs have signed. You know, Basuma, um, who's the guy at right back? Serge Aurier, Matt Doherty. All Arsenal fans. Harry Kane. <laughs> you know, all Arsenal fans that have gone there. Convincing players to join a club is part of those processes it's part of what makes a transfer window so special uh, jean uh, thank you for the comments it's big up tom I have a lot of respect for what you do i admit i'm baffled at why this video now are you doing this to rebuff an argument or a trend on Twitter. don't have Twitter, so I'm kind of confused. It's something that I've seen across comment sections in the videos, on Twitter, uh, other YouTube channels, and just kind of when I'm going on there and there's other kind of debates that go on. This is something that crops up in so many debates that I get into. And so, for, you know, for my benefit and hopefully some of yours as well, it's a way to kind of vent. This channel is definitely something I use to vent sometimes, as you guys know. And, and this is definitely part of that. Paul says, Gabriel was convinced by the project and he wanted to work with Arteta. He's our biggest earner. Uh, he's different class. And so earning it. I don't want mercenaries who see us as just a meal ticket. I absolutely agree. Craig says, Gabriel Jesus is everything I want from the players wanting to join. He is an elite player and we have been missing someone like him. Uh, Lee says, so that's his way of thinking from when he was a player. He appreciated being at Arsenal. And I think also that now, as I said before, you know, when this interview was taken from two years ago and applied in 2022, it just doesn't work. You know, he's, he's a man who's he's been at the club now significantly longer than he had been during the time when he'd answered those questions. So if we're going to use words as fact, you know, have you ever been, and, and, and probably a lot of you are going to be able to empathise with this, have you ever been in a Twitter argument where you're having a debate with someone and then someone brings up a tweet that you put out from like two years ago where you have a different point of view to what you had now? You know, this, this happens to me a lot because, as you guys know, I change my mind on things. You know, I have a different opinion from what I had last month, a year ago, three years ago. You know, I feel like Twitter in some way should delete tweets after every six months. Maybe even that's too long. You know, I feel like having a record of everything you've ever said or everything you've ever had an opinion on in the past, it's just not a healthy way because, obviously, as soon as someone can access that and someone can bring up something you've said from, like, a year ago, And then apply that now to an argument about a topic you may have changed your mind about as some form of validation or vindication that you once held their same point of view. That's not an argument, you know, (laughs) like that's just not an argument at all. If you're dragging up a tweet from eight months ago in a discussion that you're having now about a point of view that they may no longer hold, that doesn't support your argument. All that does is kind of highlight the unwillingness to accept that opinions and minds change. As that famous quote goes, what's the point in having a mind if you aren't willing to change it? Um, Yeah, Lee, if you can change your opinion, it's strength and growth. Uh, Knuckles says Twitter's toxic place where everyone just wants to prove they're right and not a good reflection of society. Look, Knuckles, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I don't ever enjoy getting into a debate or getting into something where I stand very firmly on a point of view and I want to kind of show why my point of view and I feel that's the right point of view. But one of the things I've definitely learned from doing these shows and doing debates and having debates on Twitter is that you can't ever convince someone to change their mind. So if you were ever in a debate on Twitter, on Facebook, with family, with friends, and you're sitting there and you're piling all this evidence and all of these stats maybe back at someone, it's pretty pointless. And I've been so guilty of doing this in the past because you can never, ever convince someone to change their mind. The only thing that you can ever do is question someone into a position where they change their mind themselves. Because I can't change someone's mind. Only they can choose to change their mind on a topic. I didn't particularly want to change my mind on Arteta after the Villarreal defeat when we got knocked out by Una Emery. I didn't particularly want to change my mind on Arteta after we lost 5-0 to Manchester City. I wanted a change. And, you know, I put out shows during those periods of time where I thought Arteta should go. I think I used the title, Arteta should go go or Arteta should be sacked I think was the one I used after Villarreal and, you know when you've got a record of things you've said it's really it's even harder to change your view it's even harder to change your mind on a topic because you've got this record you've got this outlet you've got this reference that people can draw up and go hey hold on no 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 you you said you said before back then that you didn't want Arteta and now now you're saying that you do what how how can you do well I'll tell you why. It's because I changed my mind. It's because I changed my mind. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I can only apologize that my mind changed, but it did. Um, and I think that knuckles is, is why all the while that, you know, it's a place to reflect. It's not a good reflection of society. Always, I suppose it actually probably is a good reflection of society, but the worst thing about social media and Twitter and even YouTube is the reference point that it gives in debates to bring up old stuff or old tweets. Um, because it's just a reflection of a person that you no longer are. You know, it might be for some. You may be the same person you were a year ago, five years ago, and if you are, fair enough. But I'd like to think that most people aren't. I'd like to think that a year, even a week, maybe even a day, changes you so that you sit on a different point of view to what you did back then. Um, CM says, uh, Arteta really will be the next generation of the most successful managers, whether at Arsenal or not. I hope you're right i hope you're right i don't know if you are but i hope you're right um let's go to uh snaggles uh i hope that's right and i uh, snaggies sorry the I looks like an l on Streamyard. i don't know why but it does and it always messes me up but snaggies uh says uh, i also think uh, online is a bit of an echo chamber in terms of negativity and toxicity it's definitely not fully appreciate uh, fully representative of what we see as a whole um Maybe your name's Liz. That's maybe why you've ended that. But thanks, Liz, if that is indeed the case. I think that um, this channel can become a bit of an echo chamber, and I'm really conscious of that. I get really conscious that TGT becomes a bit of an echo chamber. You know, and I think sometimes it can become a bit of a lightning rod for uh, one side of an argument or another. I think it became quite a bit of a lightning rod for, you know, kind of the Arteta Rin side of things during the uh, 2021 season. Uh, especially during kind of the really difficult times where we was languishing in the bottom half of the table. Um, and so I'm really conscious about that, hence why I try and get other opinions on. And the thing is, you know, when and I reference back to this, this show that I did quite a lot with Lev, and I talk about it a lot because it was a really good debate of two people that hold different points of view, and yet we were able to hold those different points of view and talk about them in discussion without losing our heads, without getting disrespectful, without, you know, getting offensive because we're mates and we can do that. But at the same time, you know, some of the comments that were left after that video to both myself and Lev from both sides were, from, you know, from Lev's point of view, it was some people like, Tom's talking trash, X, Y, Z. Or from the other point of view is, why have you got this guy on again? Why are you getting this person on? This opinion's not valid here. And it's like, for me, I struggle with that so much because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, hold on, you know, the reason why I've got these people on to have different points of view to me is so that we can discuss them. They might change my mind. I might change their mind. It might change your mind listening to it. You know, when I talk to Brandon, um, whose oh, channel gonna is it True Gunner TV? I really think it might be. I'm really sorry, Brandon, if I've got that wrong. Um, Brandon holds a very different you know, viewpoint to me. But I enjoy chatting with him because it encourages greater discussion you know, between two people. There's going to be an interview that's going to be coming out on the Arsenal way. I had an interview with uh, William Gallas, former Arsenal, Chelsea and Spurs defender. Uh, That should hopefully be going up on the Arsenal way in the next couple of days. We need to finish off the editing of it. Um, But I went into that interview just to give you kind of a brief glimpse behind the curtain. You can actually read the interview. Uh, It's out in written form over on my Twitter account, at Tom Cantor Media. I've retweeted it at the Gunatalk TV on on Twitter as well, and it's obviously on the football. London website. If you type in Tom Canton football. London, it will come up um, on my profile. So yeah, I interviewed Galas, and you know, I went into that interview with obviously prepared questions, um, and I was ready with what I was going to ask, and I was going to ask him about you know the defensive side of the game, a bit about Saliba, a bit about kind of where he sees the transfer window and next season. Um, You know, because you want to try and maximize to get some really interesting discussion. And I went in and none of that happened. None of what I prepared happened. And, you know, sometimes some people might say, well, that's terrible. Like if you're interviewing someone, you should be aiming, you should be in control of the debate. You should be in control of the interview as the interviewer. And I slightly disagree with that. I think that you need to have a one handed hold on an interview, but never two. You should always have one hand on the interview. But if you've got two hands on the interview, and this is the weirdest analogy I might even use on the channel, um, I don't think you're enabling the person you're talking to enough freedom. And so with that one-handed hold on this interview, Galas hit me with this question right at the start, was what's your expectation for Arsenal? And obviously I go in to explain about where my head's at and you know, we need to progress, we need to move forwards. And he held a very different point of view to me. And as you will see when the interview comes out, we don't agree and we go back and forth. And I ask him some questions and he asks me some questions. And, you know, it doesn't get heated, but it gets, you know, you can tell that it's two people that are very passionate about the viewpoints they hold and that they aren't deviating from it come the end. And at the end of the interview, spoiler alert, you know, we didn't agree. It was an agree to disagree situation. Um, but it was a really interesting conversation. But if we didn't hold those different points of views, you know, that, You know, invigorating discussion never happens. So that's why it's really important that these different points of view exist. Um, But even then, you know, obviously Gallas was a player that left Arsenal, went to Tottenham and, you know, also had the captaincy stripped from him at Arsenal and that leads to a certain point of view. But it was amazing some of the replies to the tweets I got when I put the the interview out. You know, people that didn't read the interview and just left a rude response or a, a mean response. You know, sometimes you do have to detach yourself from the fact that you're an arsenal fan yes it's someone that left but hold on let's, let's just hear what this person's got to say before i start bashing them um and listening to to what they've got to say before doing that um so yeah that'll be out on the arsenal way in the next i would hope 48 hours or so maybe no promises because uh, you know the boys have got a lot of work on their hands so uh, hopefully it comes out very soon um hola Donkey says uh, changing your mind means you're capable of of read uh, read adapting. Does that mean that means or readapting, <laughs> adapting, maybe just adapting would work, but yeah, adapting is definitely something that you need to be able to pivot on social media as well um let's go to paul who says we all believe we are experts but none of us actually are it's very true that's why kind of the whole tgt expert members is a little bit of a cynical play on words Uh, opinions are just that opinions are all valid and they can't all be correct all of the time uh says will the interview be in video and article format both you can go and read the interview now and you'll be able to watch the interview uh, very very soon as well so uh if you want a sneak peek of what was going down in the interview you can already go and read it on the Football London website if you want to watch it you're gonna have to wait a couple of days and it'll go up on the arsenal way website very soon uh conrad says tom the stream with lev was brilliant it's uh it was great to see the opposing views discussed respectfully must say that i tend to side with lev On the priorities, but keep up the good work. Food work. I mean, I love food work as well, but good work, I assume, is what you mean. But and that's absolutely fair. You were not alone. You know, a lot of people sided with Lev on that debate, which is fine. You know, it's all about opinions. If you're putting it across in a respectful way, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If you've joined the show late and you're going, I joined this show to talk about Ian Wright and Mikel Arteta. What on earth is going on about? You probably want to rewind. Uh, <laughs> we've gone off on a on quite a considerable tangent at this point. Um, let's go to Philip, who says, people often forget that Arteta took a pay cut to come to Arsenal. As a player, truly a rare breed. Um, I mean, I, that doesn't really affect my view of, of what I think of him as a manager. I don't think it would do. As a person, sure, great um we'll wait and see uh rancid says i'm an expert i know everything even things i don't know that's a a held a point of view that's held by plenty of people on social media rancid so again you aren't certainly alone i know that there's absolute satirical nature of that comment but still you're definitely not alone if that was indeed true uh let's go to peterson's thanks to arteta for the first time in years i actually believe we can get top four or win the europa league which you know in a broad spectrum as an Arsenal fan, we don't want to be sitting here and going, for the first time in four years, I think Arsenal could finish in the top four. You know, when you say that out loud, it sounds such a sad and declined area of the world to be in as an Arsenal fan. And I think that's the reality of the situation that frustrates, rightly, so many supporters. Um, but that is the reality. We've made mistake after mistake after mistake. You know, arguably appointing Arteta was a huge risk and after you know two years looked to be uh, a bit of an error Uh, you know especially yeah absolutely after the space of I would say not maybe not two years but certainly about 14 months 16 months around that kind of figure um, definitely looked to be a bit of a mistake thankfully things have changed dramatically but those 10 years I'd say from 2009 all the way through to 2007, I would actually say, all the way through to 2019, you know, we made so many mistakes. And even after Arteta's appointment, you know, we've made mistakes. Willian, Runison, Cedric, Pablo-Marie, uh, playing Xhaka at left-back against Brighton, going to a back three of Holding Chambers and Kolasinac at Manchester City. You know, we've made mistakes, uh, absolutely. And there are going to be times where everyone does. But the point is, is when you start making more positive choices and significantly more positive decisions than mistakes... Then you start to move in the right direction, and that's where I sit right now. Is I think that we are making more good choices than bad, and it's led to us turning things around, steering the ship back towards progression and moving upwards. And that's why I sit where I do on the club. Um, Let's, uh, Mrs. Stone has joined Steve uh, outside to enjoy the sun. I told her you're streaming. She asked if I love you more than her. Do I tell the truth? Always tell the truth, Steve. Always. Otherwise, it will only bring you sadness. That said, telling her you love me more may also bring you sadness. So just be careful. Uh, P. Goddard says, not all opinions need to have an argument and not opinions matter. Uh, But as long as you can debate peacefully, people can improve in themselves. Uh, Paul says, "Uh, I've been a critic of the club's recruitment, but this season and after last summer, I'm starting to seal real ambition to bring in quality and players who can really make a difference. Edu, thumbs up. Um, fair play Paul you're not going to be uh, you know there are going to be people that disagree with that Um, but I personally like to think that we are moving in the right direction and that you know that interview that we started talking with the today show you know from two years ago where Arteta said that if he has to convince a player to join Arsenal it doesn't fill him with hope it doesn't fill him with encouragement I think that Arteta now is very different I don't think Arteta believes the words that he said two years ago I'd be very interested to ask him, actually. Um, if that was, you know, if that ever happens and could happen, could feasibly happen, who knows? Uh I think it's definitely something that I would ask is does he still feel that position or does he think convincing a player who maybe is unsure of Arsenal is now part of the fabric of what being a manager is two years on from when he said that? Uh it would be very interesting to hear his answer to that question. If there's anyone watching who is involved in the press conferences, of course. Steal it, but byline me, please. Please byline me. I would really appreciate that. Uh, Omar says, Tom, I don't know why, but I am so excited for next season. Nothing beats the new season hype, in my opinion. Look, I'm excited too. I'm looking forward to seeing, obviously, what other players we bring in. I'm loving what we've seen from Gabriel Jesus in such a short space of time. We've barely seen anything, but he looks genuinely so exciting. Um, And the reason why you have that excitement is because we're actually going in in a positive direction. You know, you think about if we go into Arsenal and we go all transfers, you know, I always, I like to go onto this page on transfer marks, which tells me all the transfer that Arsenal has ever made. And if I go back to the summer of 2019, that's probably the last time I was genuinely really excited about a transfer window. You know, we broke our transfer record and got Nicolas Pepe. You know, we signed a really exciting young defender in William Saliba who never ended up playing until maybe this season. Kieran Tierney came in um gabriel martinelli an unknown player came in and then we added a couple of randos <laughs> like david Lewis. even the lone sonning of danny sabayos excited me because i liked what i saw of him at real betis and he hadn't really got a chance at real madrid and you know it was him in the midfield with Xhaka that eventually took us to an fa cup so it wasn't all bad from him but nicolas pepe and Tierney, you know that window in 1920 was probably the last time uh, sorry was probably the first time in so many years i was really excited But since then, you know, Gabriel and Partey, you know, what a summer to to see two players come in. Arsenal have been crying out for a centre-back and a centre-midfielder for so long. And we went and got two great ones. And then we moved forward to 2021 and we signed six players for more money than we've ever spent that led us to a top-four challenge that hardly anyone was saying Arsenal would be involved in with the youngest average team in the league. But you go before 2019... And you know, Emery's first year, Torreira, Leno, Socrates, Genduzzi Listeiner, you know we spent seventy two million pounds in that window, and I whilst Torreira was pretty unknown and came in and started, well, you know, that trailed off. Leno wasn't even starting when he came in over Petacek and didn't end the season as a starter either. Um Socrates didn't improve on the defense at all. you know, seventeen eighteen, I know Alexandra Lacazette came in, that was pretty exciting. That's all we did, as well as say, at We signed Lacazette and Kalasinac, and that was it. Mavropanos came in, of course, but he never played. And then in January, we brought in a and Mkhitaryan and we let go of Alexis. You know, there was a front line of where we've Mikatarin and Lacazette. And I'm trying to think if, uh, no, Theo Walcott left that season. So who was playing on the right hand side? Because it wouldn't have been Saka. Who was playing on the right during that? That's a really interesting... Alex Awobi, I guess. Probably Alex Awobi was playing in a front three of um Mikatari and Awobi, and or Abamyang, Lacazette, and Mikatari And before that, it would have been... Yeah, it would have been Lacazette, Alexis, and Awobi as a front three. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Thinking going back to that. You go back to, what, 2016? Xhaka Mustafi. The Xhaka Mustafi summer with Lucas Perez, a sprinkling... A little salt bay of of Lucas Perez in there. Uh, Takuma Asano, Rob Holding. uh, Yeah, you know, and you go back again to 15-16, the infamous 15-16 summer window where we only signed Petr and finished second behind Leicester City. (sighs) Wow. Wow, 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 wow that shows you kind of how far we've come, you know, in terms of transfer windows uh, Then 14, 15, Alexis Sanchez. Brilliant. But you know, beyond that, it was Danny Welbeck, which, you know, I like Danny, but it's never a player that's going to take us to the next level. Callum Chambers, who we, I don't think ever fulfilled 18 million pounds worth of investments. Uh, 18.21, according to transfer marks, Gabriel Paulista, you know, never progressed the center back position, Matteo Dabushi disappeared into injuriness um and Christian Bielek and David Ospina uh 2013 Meza Ozil of course but that was it that that was our summer 2013 14 was Meza Ozil with Yaya Sanogo, Matthew Flamini, Emiliano Viviano on loan and Kim Kalstrom came in in January uh 2012 13 you know this was actually a window I was a little bit excited about it was ruined by the fact that Robin van Persie left of course um but you know, Santi Cazorla, Lucas Podolski, Olivier Giroud uh, joined. Santi Cazorla, I was really excited about, and he proved exactly why. And Podolski kind of excited me as well because he was a bit of a cult hero, and you know had a lot of promise. And went to Bayern, didn't really work out. And when we signed him from Cologne, I thought yeah, had a lot more to give. And but you know, losing Robin van Persie was a big, big miss. But can you see like the difference between then and now? The difference between what we're doing, you know, Gabriel Jesus coming in, signing Fabio Vieira, and nowhere, and we don't know what the rest of the transfer window holds. Last summer, we spent 150 million, more than we've ever spent. In two summers, we've added two new centre backs in White and Gabriel. If you go back a season before Gabriel, that's the summer that we also signed Saliba. So you know, you can arguably say we brought in those three centre backs in those three summers that have now become the core of what is a much stronger defence that's kept more clean sheets last season than we have done in the last four years. So. I'm starting to see that. And I think it's clear when you have that, as Omar said in the chat box, history lesson on TGT, when you go back through the summers, you start to see the change in what we're doing. You start to see the change in the players we're targeting and you start to see the ambition that we're trying to push towards. And if we come back full circle to the start of this video and we started talking about the players that we have to convince to join to come Arsenal, I use this example a lot. And for those that are bored of it, sorry, I'm going to use it again. But how long have we moaned about going for players that no one else is in for? Your Lacazettes, your Aubameyangs, your Urzils, you know, players that no one else was in for when we signed them. And that's how we got them, supposedly, because no one else wanted them. Now, we're signing players that people want. Now, we're missing out on players because other teams want them. It sucks when we when that happens, but it is a part of going for players that other teams also want to go and get. It's just part and parcel of it. But it does mean that you can pull off some brilliant signings like Jesus amongst some disappointments. Um, and, And that's what I'm happy and that's why we attacked the window early. That's why we did our business in June, you know, so that we could spend July hopefully getting targets. But if we can't, it gives us time to hopefully do what we need to do. Don't get me wrong. In August, if we've not done anything else, I'll be criticizing the fact that we've not got that business done, that we've not pivoted efficiently enough, that we've not gone after the alternatives well enough or that we didn't plan well enough. That's the time to be critical. But the moment we've got time and I'm willing to be that patient person until August, when will be the time for criticism, should it be had. Right now, I'm excited. Right now, I like what we're doing. Right now, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. Surprise, surprise um, about what we're doing. Uh, I know I've ignored the chat box for a few minutes, so let's jump back into it. Uh, Adi says, why are we unable to attract so many players of late? Rafinha Vla <laughs> it just, it points towards, it, it points towards what I just said. The reason why we can't attract players like Vlaovic, Rafinha, Locatelli, Alessandro Martinez is because we're going for players that other big teams want. You can't always win the race for these players. You can't always get these players. Look at Spurs, right? Spurs have gone into the Champions League this season. They've got Antonio Conte as their manager, and they're having a summer window that they could have had if they'd have qualified for the Conference League. Let's be real. They could have signed the players that they've signed if they'd have qualified for the Conference League. Because your pulling power when you're going into the market is relative compared to the other teams that are chasing the targets and the players that you want. Arsenal are a bigger club than Spurs, hence why we got Gabriel Jesus and you didn't. So it doesn't matter if you have Champions League football, it doesn't matter if you've got Antonio Conte. Arsenal are able to get hold of big players, but if we're competing with the Juventuses, with the Bayern Munichs, you know, with the Chelsea's, with the Real Madrid's, with the Barcelonas, it's still going to be a struggle for Arsenal, especially while they're outside of the Champions League. And we have got to try our best to sign players that can go to those teams, and certainly Jesus could have done. But it does mean, as you say, RD, that we are going to miss out on some. We are going to see players linked to Arsenal that aren't going to be joining because they're going to go to other teams like Barcelona or Juventus, as in the case of Vlaovic or Locatelli. Man United's a bit of a painful one with Martinez, to be honest. Um, I think the Eric Ten Hag is, is is a defining factor in that. And of course, I imagine that... Man United will be offering silly, silly wages uh, as well. So there you go. Um, let's go to <laughs> Mikey. Says Tom, are you smelling a new uh, signing coming next week? Because I am. I hope so. I hope. I hope that you're smelling a new signing. I hope that we can get in more signings. Uh, equally different says a Terreira Remontada. Yeah, very interesting news. Torreira's agent came out and said that uh, he will be involved in the Arsenal US preseason tour. That's going to be intriguing. We'll obviously keep you up to date. We'll discuss that a little bit more on tomorrow morning's 8 a.m. show. So if you want to get more information or reaction to that, we will discuss it on tomorrow morning's 8 a.m. show as well. Uh, Let's go to Steve, who says uh, we're in the middle of a rebuild, which is outside of the Champions League, and we still got Jesus. Uh, Byron says, I can't wait to hear from the fans singing Vieira. Whoa. Vieira. Oh, he comes from Portugal. He's only five foot tall. I love that. Brilliant. Yeah. I just, I just hearing that song back in the, I say back in the Emirates. Wow. You know, back at Arsenal. Um, Vieira never even played at the Emirates. Left in 2005, far too early. You know, again, I suppose that was a time we lost him to Juventus. That was the first, that was the first big sign of the Arsenal crumble, I suppose, is when Vieira left for juve in 2005 um and yeah we're gonna hear vieira for the first time for an actual player i know of course we've heard it for when he's returned as a manager and just because it's a great song but we actually might hear that song for a uh, for a player at arsenal which is going to be interesting indeed uh michael says out of all the top six clubs in the prem would you say we have the strongest academy to the first team process no i wouldn't um we have a very good academy. You know, we have a lot of talent coming through. But Manchester City and Chelsea's are very, very, very good. Very, very, very good. Um, and they have got some special talent coming through. As we know, Man City have invested a humongous amount of money into their academy and also relationships with clubs all the way around the world with the City Football Group. So I would say we're probably third, Michael. I do think we're above Liverpool. I do think we're above... Uh, Spurs and Man United. But I think that Chelsea and Man City uh are probably just just that bit ahead of us. Man City, especially, that's why they absolutely boss um, you know, the the under 23s league. They absolutely boss it. Uh let's go to for those asking questions about speculation. I'm not answering that, you should know that by now. Um our hood says, Tom, will we see a Hugh Wizzy collab watch along again this season? Probably not a watch along. Uh, I, you know, I'd love to have a chat with you again, but he's a very busy man. Uh, I listened to his show the other day when he said he watched <laughs> the tactical breakdown on Jagrova. Uh, Gio, uh, um yeah, look, I think that he's got a lot of promise. And I know it's frustrating seeing us go from Rafinha to Shagrova. I know that's annoying. And I I, I completely empathize um, with it. <laughs> but I'm doing what i got to do, Hugh. you know, you got you to educate. you got to educate the people with who these players are. Um, Freddie says, which Arsenal player do you think will surprise you the most this season? Uh, probably Fabio Vieira, because I don't know much about him at all. So I'm hoping it's him. If not him, then Marquinhos again, because I don't know much about him. If not him... Then maybe maybe William Saliba. Uh, maybe it's not going to be a surprise, but I can't wait to see William Saliba in an Arsenal shirt. I tell you what, that's probably the highlight of the US tour is, is seeing him come back. He's meant to come back on Monday, as I'm told, so hopefully he should be back for then. Uh, Philip says, I would be happy uh, to see Vieira and Marquinhos on the right redeploying the transfer funds to the defensive in centre-mid position. I agree with you, Philip. For me, centre-mid is the absolute priority now between now and the end of the window. Uh, Omar says, will you change your mind to Hussein Mawa? No. <laughs> Simple as that. If he proves me if he has a great season, sure. But the thing is, I think he's what? Has he got a year left, two years left on his contract? If he has a great season, he can prove me wrong. I can change my mind. That's what this whole show's been about, changing our minds. But, all right now, not a chance right now at all. Uh, let's go... Sorry, two seconds. Oh, I need that drink. Jesus. That's a lot of talking without um a lot of talking as well without actually having a drink um now i'm gonna i'm sorry um i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation but uh, as it has been pointed out in the chat and i did actually mean to say this at the start of the show but uh those that are all celebrating Aïd, I, uh, I hope you have a, a fantastic day and uh, enjoy yourselves. Uh, I saw a couple of comments pointing that out and I meant to address it, but I was in full flow. And I hope I haven't butchered the pronunciation either, but I hope you're enjoying your day. Um, Lee says, Watch it, from watching the game yesterday, uh, it seems like Arsenal's attack is more fluid and drilled. I mean, from watching the first half, Lee, I wouldn't agree with you. <laughs> you know, the first half, it was actually rather sluggish um, and poor. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the first half, but the second half, um, yeah, didn't, uh, it was night and day. It was absolutely brilliant. Eads. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you for those that are correcting me in the chat box. Have a brilliant Eads. Uh, I hope you have a great day. Um, let's go to Craig who says Tom Marquinhos looked so good in Germany way ahead of Pepe and Nelson. Uh, those Brazilians press was special. And obviously this is something that Arteta you know, that Arteta wants. This is something that he wants from his team. Team players that are going to press, players that are going to give you full tilt, full time, full energy all throughout the game. And I think we saw that, you know, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that as well. Uh, let's go to JSN uh, Kukla, who says, uh, first point uh, post post in the chat. I'm here because of the common sense approach you keep. Keep up the optimism. Uh, with the reality-based explanations. Thanks, mate. It's really kind of you. Uh, and I promise I didn't pick that just because you said that. I just literally look at the chat and click a comment after I've uh, vetted it. <laughs> That's all I can do. Um, equally different says, No way we get our We don't sign Mavericks. Um, do we not sign Mavericks? I mean, under Arteta, have we signed players that are what we would describe as Mavericks Let's have a quick check. I so now I have to remind myself uh, of players. I don't look at anyone of last summer as a particular Maverick. Um, I don't look at anyone the season before either as a particular Maverick. The season before that, you know, Arteta wasn't here, so we can't start judging. But maybe, maybe we don't uh, sign these types of Mavericks uh, anymore at all. Uh, and I think that if if, if a Maverick is Hussain Mawar, I don't really want a maverick. <laughs> you know, if, if if that's what the definition of a maverick is, if it's Hussein Malwa, I I'm not fussed that we don't sign mavericks, to be honest. So uh, so there you go. Um, who is your preferred player to replace Marie? Because Marie reminds me of Mustafi. Uh, says Fala. <laughs> Um Uh, My preferred choice to replace Marie uh, would be Lissandro Martinez. Uh, I think uh, having now watched so much of him in the last few weeks that we've been linked to him, I have been very much attached to seeing what he's capable of. The other one, as Bailey will tell you about, is Evan Ndika at Frankfurt. You know, he's a very, very good option. Paul Torres at Villarreal is another potential option as well. So there's three names for you. Um, And uh, I hope that, I hope they're good enough. (laughs) I hope they're good enough for you. Uh, let's go to Super Wales says Tom what do you think of Joao Pedro from Watford don't know enough about him didn't obviously help Watford stay up but I don't think that's fair to put it all on him Uh, but I think we probably need to be targeting someone of a higher level than than João Pedro. Uh, let's go to It Says three youngsters you are looking forward to next season in preseason, excluding Marquinhos and Patino. Youngsters. Um, I really like the look of Raul Waters, but I don't think he'll play. Uh, I don't think he'll go on the US tour. I might be wrong. He may have earned himself a spot, but I thought he was great. I really liked seeing that. The other one is Lino Souza. I hope Lino Souza gets an opportunity to go on the US tour. He was with the guys in the training camp. Um, so he's he's an exciting one at left back that you should definitely, definitely be aware of. Uh, Obviously, the obvious ones are Amari Hutchinson, uh, Kido Taylor-Hart, if he goes, um, and Salah uh, Uladum hans a uh, really interesting player as well in midfield. So lots. Zander, no, not Zagadu, not at left centre back. There's a reason why he's going on a free... Uh, we shouldn't be going for someone like him. Uh, I'm afraid just just not the one. Uh, I'm probably going to wrap things up there because the problem with doing these shows at the moment is I can't put the fan on because you can hear it, and it does mean that this room heats up ridiculously and you could probably probably see the humidity affecting my hair already to be fair um but thank you so much for listening it's been a really interesting show i hope that it's been interesting for you to listen to uh we started off talking obviously about the main topic which was that interview back in 2020 uh that has now obviously been taken very out of context all the way through to 2022 um but i hope that made a lot of sense i hope you've enjoyed it and uh yeah drop a like on the video uh have a great eid if you're celebrating and uh as always up the arsenal